Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, Thomas and I cover some big storylines surrounding college athletics, as well as updating you guys about spring sports. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Next Gen Athletics. As always, I am your host, Trotter Scarce, and as always, the wonderful Thomas Woods joins us. Thomas, how you doing, bud? Doing pretty good, man. It's beautiful weather out here in Clemson, South Carolina. Um, yesterday, I was able to get a podcast out for Next Gen Tigers, which hadn't happened in a little while. So it was good to get that uh, back out and uh, get that thing, you know, started back up. Um, this week is kind of a tougher week for me for school. I'm starting to have that. Uh, it was last. I have three weeks left, I guess. And uh, this week is pretty pretty heavy. Next week's pretty heavy, and the week after that's final. So. Um, Coming down the stretch here, but I'm living life. I'm enjoying it, and uh, I couldn't ask for much more than I got right now. Absolutely feel that. Uh, yeah, I've only got a week and a half left, so get wrecked. Just saying. Um, yeah, but the weather here is is just gorgeous. <laughs> just like teasing you whenever I get the chance. Um, the weather yeah, here is absolutely. <laughs> the weather here is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you know, South Carolina is better than Clemson. Just keep saying it. Um, the weather here is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's been a beautiful week. Doesn't look like it's going to change, but look, it was looking at the weather earlier today, looking at the kind of the rest of the week, and it's just supposed to be absolutely beautiful all week. So I'm really glad that we're out of the cold and the weather is getting warmer. It's sunny longer. It finally means we're getting into the summer months, which means we're getting closer and closer to football season. So I know that I, I know that we're both excited about that. And speaking of, had a great time at Wheelie B on Saturday, went out to the, to the South Carolina spring game, was able to get uh, a podcast out because of that. So next gen Gamecocks, I know it's been months. It's been since February, but we are finally back and we are finally uh, putting content out. Next gen Gobblers, they will be coming out with an episode um, probably Thursday morning. I'll record that Wednesday night. Um, next gen Gamecocks came out today. So just finally, it's good to be back. It's finally good to be able to be talking about some some Virginia Tech and South Carolina athletics. Yeah, for sure. And I'll second that. I mean, Clemson had their spring game Saturday as well. And that was a really good time out there at Death Valley. Um Really hot though, really hot. Uh, I wish we would have had the night night slot like y'all did because I'll be honest, I got burnt. I got I didn't put any sunscreen on. Face got burnt, arms got burnt, and I was I was sweating heavy. But uh, it was good to have football back at least in, in a general sense, I guess. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't you know the real deal, but it was close enough. It kind of eased my urge a little bit uh, to be watching Clemson football, and uh, it was a good time. That we actually have an episode for. Uh, that spring game kind of just started me and Mike Stalks coming out here on Thursday as well. So uh, listen to Hokies and Tigers if you have the time and want to hear about ACC schools. Yeah, big ACC day on Thursday. It's uh, ACC Media Day here at Next Gen Athletics uh, exactly. on, on Thursday. So if you didn't know, now you know, right? Thursday, go ahead and mark off your calendar. You got nothing mm-hmm. to do but listen to that. Um Speaking of spring games, you know, I think it's kind of funny, you know, this time of year, everybody is starting to get a little antsy, you know, basketball season ends. A lot of people aren't necessarily super concerned with um, baseball and softball, which I, I get it. You know, personally, I'm kind of in that boat. Like I care about, about, you know, South Carolina and Virginia Tech and how they do in, in baseball and softball, but I'm, I'm just... I've never been a big baseball guy. I mean, you and I have talked about this before. Obviously, you're the you're the big baseball guy on the show. I've just never really kind of gotten into it. I just I've always been a soccer guy. And so when baseball and soccer, at least in the States, they just clash too much sometimes. So um I am actually gonna be out at the the Florida South Carolina baseball game on Thursday. We'll talk about that later on. I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, the spring game. I mean, I was I went with uh with my dad and my little brother, that was fun to be able to go to a game at Willie B with them for the first time because normally I'm in the student section and they're up in up in the top row shaking hands with God watching the Cox play. But um that was that was fun to be able to be there. Um, you know, of course everybody took the Twitter after the game and was putting out that, you know, 
Lenoris is the goat and we're going to be so much better. And then everybody was talking about, you know, the woes of the defense. And I think it's kind of funny how people will go and just make all these huge assumptions from one game. That's not even like a real game. It's like a half of a game. So to all my, my South Carolina fans listening, I talked about this on the podcast and I'm going to say it on the national podcast because this goes for all schools in general, keep the expectations from the spring game to a minimum, right? First off, it's a makeshift defense. It's a makeshift offensive line. It's a makeshift offense. So, you know, if it didn't, if it went great, awesome, right? Be excited about that. If it went poorly, just be okay with the fact that you probably had half your starters on one side and half your starters on the other side, and then a bunch of fish strings and backups uh, mixed in there as well. So, you know, I, I've always thought it's kind of funny that people do that. I've always kind of taken the spring game with a grain of salt. It's just exciting to have football back. Um, and it just kind of makes that itch even even more for, for September to finally get around. Yeah, people definitely jump the gun way too early on their takes for different teams. Um, I will say Clemson did it different this year. Uh, they had first team O versus first team D, which was pretty cool to see. It wasn't really split up that much. You got to see more of the full unit. I mean, there were injuries here and there. Um, they definitely don't play anybody that's like even banged up at all. Uh, right. You have, you have to be like fully healthy. And even then, like, if you get hurt a little bit, like if you like twist your ankle a little bit during the game or like somebody steps on your toe, you're out for the rest of the game. Um, they don't want to see any any injuries. So like they're not really playing full speed, um, but they, they try to put on a show for the fans. And it's, a, it's always a good thing to see. But yeah, I always see people on Twitter just overreact to every spring game. doesn't matter who it is. Um, you got to remember it's a it's a glorified practice at the end of the day. Um, that's, all, that's all it's supposed to be. It's a, it's a practice that the fans get to watch. And get to like get excited for the players get to put jerseys on and they get to experience what it's like to play in the the real game stadium or all that kind of stuff. Um, but like you can't make real assumptions based off of that. Uh, the real assumptions start really in fall camp uh, from the inside sources, and then once uh, once the game gets going, that's how you can kind of really know how your team's going to do. Uh, week one is a better judgment than than the spring game for sure. Oh, by a lot. I mean. The biggest thing you can see from a spring game is like the biggest takeaway I had from South Carolina spring game is how Spencer Rattler looked more comfortable. Right. And it's not because he lit up the scoreboard because he actually only scored one touchdown and that was on the first drive. Um, But it's just because like the offense looked a little better and it, you know, it wasn't flashy. It wasn't anything crazy. It just, you know, that was really the one thing that stood out to me was like, okay, well, first off, he's got a hundred thousand guys he could throw to. And second off, he looks he's like, he's a lot more comfortable being in Willie being a South Carolina uniform. So that was fun to see. It was exciting to see. I know a lot of, uh, a lot of people from around the country are, are probably feeling the same way we are right now. I know pretty much everybody's had their spring game. I don't think anybody's yet to play theirs. I, I can't imagine that would be the case, but I know that there's a lot of excitement, right? And like we said, at the end of the day, it quite literally takes up the last day of practice on the spring schedule. It is that 15th day. So it, it is quite literally a practice. It, like when the NCAA views it as a practice. So maybe we should kind of view it uh, likewise. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, but I'll kind of transition away from the spring games. I will once again plug, uh, we will be having an episode about me and Mike's all of our takeaways for for next gen tigers in that, that spring game. I'm not gonna share too much about what I thought about ours right now just because I'm gonna go into a lot of depth here soon. So um yeah, but I, there's been recent news today as we record on on Tuesday about a South Carolina player, uh or former South Carolina player, I should say, thinking about uh returning to South Carolina to play football again. Jordan Birch uh hit the portal after the last season and went to Oregon and now with the portal open back up, there's rumors that he could return. Uh, I'm just curious for you as a South Carolina fan, what are your thoughts on that possibility and just like that idea in general? So I've got a couple different thoughts on this. And I tweeted this out literally right before we got on 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 the on the call to to record today. I tweeted out that on behalf of Gamecock fans, on behalf of Gamecock Nation, I think we would all agree. Come on back. Right. I think I don't think anybody's gonna sit here and argue that they don't want him, right? Because the edge position is one of the positions of concern on this football team. So if he wants to come back, first off, come back. I will gladly take you back. That's my first thought. So to answer your question, that is my first thought. My second thought on this whole thing is and, and you know, I've said this on Next Gen Gamecocks, and I've said this on the show before. Why in the world did you leave? 
See, in, in all seriousness, we've talked about the portal being a great thing. This is one of those things, though, where the portal is not very good, right? Like, you're in a good system. You're in a good fit. You're a senior, for God's sake. And you literally went to high school a mile and a half from Willie B. Right, I, I live right down from Willie B. I could walk there in the next 20 minutes and, and say hello to Heathwood Hall. Right. So why he left is besides me. And, and clearly there's no bad, bad blood because he wants to come back. So it's not like he got into some fight with the coaching staff because he's sitting here and, you know, rumors are rumors. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But they don't get this much leverage without it being somewhat true. So I, I think he jumped the gun. If I had to guess, there was an NIL deal thrown his way that maybe kind of fell through last minute. Maybe it didn't actually come to fruition. And now he's sitting there going, well, I didn't get the bag and I'm in Oregon and I'm a long way from home. So I think I'm going to come back. So, you know, that that's my thought on the whole thing. I think it's kind of weird that, you know, guys will jump in the portal kind of quickly. I mean, it, it came out that he was thinking about it and I think it was a day later he was in the portal and it was like, well, what? Like you had the chance to be a South Carolina legend. And you left. And so, you know, I, I don't think that many people are going to say we don't want you back. That might not be the case in the building. Right. Shane Beamer during bowl season preparation, a couple of the guys said, hey, we're going to enter the portal, but we want to play in the bowl game. And Beamer said, you're gone, buddy. Like you're either with us. Or you're not with us. So I don't think that that would be the case in this situation. Um, but I mean, I, I, I can't sit here and say I, I don't blame him. Right. Like. You know, you should have thought about that. You should have considered that as as a real option. But, you know, I, I definitely would love to have him back just because of that edge position being a position of concern. But I think that that's something that the portal just kind of it's for as good as the portal is and for as many opportunities as guys get from the portal. I think we see this a lot, too, where guys jump in the portal too quickly because maybe they they heard a rumor or, or they didn't have all the information and it just didn't pan out like they thought it would. Yeah, the grass definitely is not always greener. Um, I definitely think that's the case. And I'm kind of surprised that you would that you would kind of want him back. I guess it makes sense because he's a position of need. If he was like a position that y'all have a ton of depth at, would you feel the same way or would you be like kind of take rocks? If he was a corner, because we're really deep at the corner position or a tight end. I mean, phew. he's the thing is, he is such a good player that like it's hard for me to really sit here and go, I don't want you back. But at the same time, like if Mark, if this was Marshawn Lloyd, the running back who went to Southern Cal, if it was him, I'd tell him bye. So I don't know. I, I, I maybe probably if I if he was a corner or, or a tight end, I'd say, listen, buddy, that sucks, dude. Like go to Coastal. So yeah, and go play it. Go play at another school in South Carolina. I don't. I don't care. Go to Clemson for all I care. Go have fun. Do whatever you want. Um, I don't think he would go to Clemson, but. I guess that's an option. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm maybe, maybe I'm gonna give you a solid maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. I just I'm kind of at the point now where like there's just too many opportunities, too many portal windows. Like I, I feel like he, he literally transferred not even six months ago. Like no, he, it was in January. In, it yeah, wasn't so even in twenty twenty two, it was in twenty twenty three. Like he's been there for just a few months. Why does he have the opportunity again to transfer? I don't I'm kind of under the opinion that the portal in general should be used for very few circumstances. Um, I think that commitment should mean more. Like when you, when you sign with the school, it should mean a little bit more. I think you should be able to transfer. If your coach, your head coach leaves or they, or he gets fired or something like that, you should be able to leave. Cause you know, you signed with that coach um, and I get that side of things. And then also if, um, if there's injury, um, I guess or not not injury. Sorry, let me rephrase. If if you like grad, if you're grad uh, grad transfer, I think that's an, another valid reason. Um, and then everything else kind of has to be like you, you have to have a reason that you sent to the NCAA, and they're like, okay, yeah, that's a valid reason or not. There should be a board that decides that. It's used too uh, too openly at this point. I've seen a number the, the number of people in the portal goes up tremendously every year. It's exponential every year, um, and a lot of those guys end up not finding a home or if they do then they go from a school like South Carolina and then end up going to Jackson state. And it's like, well, you, I see what you were trying to do there. You were trying to make a bigger move and then you ended up, it didn't work out for you. Um, I just, I think 
people transfer too quickly. They're too quick to jump ship. And I think that's kind of what I'm seeing here. I mean, I don't – obviously, it's rumors with, with Birch. Um, but I just don't see – you got there four months ago. How do you know that you – like, I just don't get that. Um, and then also, there's another guy, um, TCU wide receiver Jordan Hudson. Um, and that one kind of makes more sense. If your coordinator leaves, that also can, I can see why you would want to transfer. Don't have to be head coach, but like there's a coaching change. I guess that's, that's a valid reason, but I just, I don't like this. There's this new window where um, if you didn't like your spring camp that you're like, okay, I want to get out of here now. Like you stick through the season at least, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you can transfer after the season if you hated it, but I think like just, you can transfer at like almost any point in the season at this point now. And it's just like, it's too much in my opinion. Um, it's not good for the sport. It's like free agency, and I don't like it that much personally. Yeah, I mean, we've sat, we've talked about the portal a hundred times. You know, it's good. I think the portal itself. I think the portal and NIL are good. You look at guys like Spencer Rattler. It is a is a huge example of the portal being good. A guy that kind of got out of favor at Oklahoma. You know, it, it looked like Caleb Williams was going to be their guy long term. And so he left. And I think that that's fine, right? He needed a new frame. He needed a new picture to kind of restart his career. That's great, right? I think that that's how the portal should be used. And we've talked about for guys that that maybe go from a mid-major to a power five school because, you know, maybe their grades weren't great out of high school or, or something like that. Once again, I think that that's fine. I think that that is what the portal should be used for. But for guys who, like a Jordan Birch, who just leave – and maybe it doesn't work out, and now all of a sudden he's he, there's rumors he wants to come back. I, I don't necessarily think that that's how the portal should be used. I think that there should be some sort of time frame, right? Like if you enter the portal, right, that's fine. Enter the portal, but then you can't get back in the portal for two years, right? I think that that could be an interesting idea just to limit the amount of guys that just go from school to school. I mean, look at like, what's his name, JT Daniels, who was at, was he, at, was he at Georgia or was he at USC first? USC first. USC first, and then he went to Georgia, and then he went to West Virginia, and now he's at Rice or BYU or one of the two. And it's yeah. like, dude, make up your freaking mind. Like, you started at West Virginia. Why are you upset? You started at Southern Cal. Like, what? Are you, what is wrong? Pick Just pick one. Just pick one. Just pick one and go with it. And I think everybody would have a lot more respect for that than you going four different universities in five years. Like, I think that that is a broken system. I think that it needs to be fixed because we posted it on the Twitter not too long ago when the new portal cycle opened up. We said new portals open. Like, is this good for college sports? Is this good or is it going to be its downfall? Because I think how it is right now, it's going to be the detriment of South Carolina or not just South Carolina, but all of schools, right? The NCAA as of a whole will will it will start to see that level lower and lower and lower because you know there there's an interesting interview with Shane Beamer from from a podcast called Busting with the Boys and they ask him like listen in this era where you're having to basically re-recruit your team like what's it like what is that like? And Shane is is real honest and real open. It's a really interesting interview. Anybody who wants to go listen to it, I highly encourage it. Because you don't have to be a South Carolina fan. You could just be a college football fan and, and really learn a lot from it. But he's he's open and says, listen, like, it's really hard to keep guys here, right? Like, it, you almost have to recruit your own team harder than you do recruits in high school and from other schools to come here. Because, you know, if you're a team like Clemson, like South Carolina, like Georgia, like, you've got a lot of momentum. A lot of people want to come here. But you've got to spend more time focusing on guys in your own locker room that want to be there than you do almost anything else. And I think that that when he said that, that kind of shocked me. But then, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I kind of gave that some some real thought in my head. It was like, I mean, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Like, that is not the way the system was designed to work. For sure. Uh, players just kind of leave. They just feel inclined to. I think there should be more reason behind it than that. Uh, I think whenever you choose a college to go to, I mean, you should be committed to that program. I mean, they spend all that time recruiting you, trying to get you there. Whenever you commit to them, it should be a true commitment. Um, people say, like, well, coaches should be more committed to their players and their programs. I'm like, it's a little bit different, a little bit different. Um, and also, I agree. If, if if my coach that I decided to come, like, say Dabo leaves, and I I, would, I went to Clemson for Dabo, then, yeah, uh, I should be able to leave. That should be a valid reason. But just 
because you feel like you didn't get enough reps, work harder. Like that's yeah. Like you don't got to go to greener pastures because a lot of times the, they really aren't greener, and that's why I think that's what Jordan Burch is seeing. I think that's what a lot of guys have seen. Um, it's a real problem, not just in college football, but in, in all college sports. Uh, as soon as the season ends, the number of transfers uh, is crazy. Pretty funny actually. Recently, uh, Clemson center backup center Ben Middlebrooks transferred, and he went to NC State. That news was broken yesterday. Today, uh, Clemson signs or yeah signs another guy in the portal from NC State. So basically, it's like a, a trade deal. <laughs> we gave them Ben Middlebrooks, and we got a guy in return. But um, the, yeah, the whole system I think is a little bit flawed right now. Too many guys into the portal, um, and there's not enough commitment. And I think that's kind of gonna. I think it can definitely be a detriment to college sports as a whole. Yeah, and I mean it's every sport. I mean it's it's basketball, football, soccer, baseball. I mean it's it's every sport. It's not just football. So, you know, that's kind of why we talk about it so much. A lot of times we talk about the football side of it just because that's what gets the most press. And to any, you know, huge Jordan Birch fans out there, we're not killing Jordan Birch. We're not hating on Jordan Birch. That's just the latest storyline in this, in this just roller coaster of emotions that the portal brings. So we're not killing Jordan Birch. I already said, come back home. We'll take you. But you know, that is just kind of the latest, greatest story from this whole fiasco that the portal gives you. It's just another crazy, weird scenario that we're learning as you are. I I think that I'd go as far to say, Thomas, that you and I probably know about as much as a lot of college coaches in this new system, just because there's just not many rules. There's not much that says like, okay, well, you can transfer, but then after you transfer, you can't transfer here or here and graduate on time. And so it's just kind of a, a weird situation, you know, for, for Jordan Birch and his family and, and for college athletics as a whole to to navigate this from not just an athletic side, but also in an academic side, because, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's the side that a lot of people don't talk about. But for a lot of these guys, when you transfer, it's a nightmare. I, I am a transfer student and I'm a semester behind because of it. Right. Like I can only imagine what some of these guys who transfer two, three times in their career to maybe maybe play at a better school. Maybe it's a better fit. Coach leaves, whatever the situation is. I mean, academically, it's got to be hard. It's got to be a nightmare for advisors and and college um, administrators. We've talked about it before. I'd love to hear what a college administrator has to say. I really would. I, I'd love to sit down and talk to somebody about that. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, somebody needs to save these kids and these coaches from themselves because if you're a recruit and somebody says, Hey, we're going to either give you this NIL deal or you're going to play a lot and you're going to love it here. Like, yeah, I'm going to go because I want to play. I I play the sport that I love and I want to play. And if I get to make money, awesome. But if you go there and that college just isn't a great fit for you, then like you're, you've made a mistake. You've made a bad decision based off faulty information. So I think somebody needs to save these kids from themselves. They need to save these coaches from, from leading these kids astray. And that's nothing on the coaches. The coaches are just doing what everybody else is doing right now. So, but I mean, we we don't need to talk about it anymore, but it's a very interesting situation right now with Jordan Burt. It's a very interesting situation with this new portal window opening up and uh, something's got to, something's got to be done. We're, we're going to keep talking about it until something gets done because it's what's talked about, right? Like this is a huge, huge storyline right now in college athletics. For sure. But like I mentioned, we'll leave it alone. We're going to move away from that. We're going to talk about some college baseball now. Thomas, we, we had uh, another exciting weekend in college, uh, college baseball. Obviously, the SEC and the ACC delivered like they always do. Um, but a team that needs a shout-out, we mentioned them on the podcast last week. Coastal Carolina has cracked the top 10. They are ranked 10th in the country right now. That's awesome. First off, love that. I think that they're a fun school to kind of root for if you don't really have a team that – that, that you're really dedicated to maybe your team where your college doesn't have baseball or you're, you're a fan of a, of a college that just sucks at baseball. Coastal Carolina is a really cool kind of fun mid major that, that has gotten a lot of press and publicity. Obviously they won a national championship not too long ago. So, you know, I just thought that that was kind of cool that after we had talked about them last week, that they did indeed jump up and crack the top 10 after a series win this past weekend. Yeah, they had uh they have a really cool program. Uh, like, like you mentioned, the national championship helps and uh, just location. Uh, Conway's a really big party town that they, they always get down in Conway, Coastal Carolina. And, 
Um, so yeah, it's a really optimal place to go if you're an athlete. Uh, and their programs are doing pretty good. They have cool uniforms, all the stuff that we talked about kind of last week. But I just want to point out, man, they have a really cool opportunity this week to play a ranked uh, conference matchup uh, in a series against Southern Miss. They'll be hosting number 24 Southern Miss this weekend. Um, and the, it's kind of hard to tell now uh, with like a month left in the season what these implications will have uh, on who wins this series, if it'll matter too much. Uh, it really depends on how the series plays out. But uh, this could end up being the difference between a team hosting a regional versus not. Uh, so it'll be really cool to see how this this series plays out and just how it affects the Sun Belt as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are the two best teams in the Sun Belt for sure. Um, I know that there's going to be a lot of excitement around that series. We've got a couple series that we'll we'll talk about. We'll give some some love to. But I mean, it's it's a, it's a fun series. I mean, I think that it's going to be. Uh, really cool to watch. It is at Coastal Carolina, so maybe they're going to have a little bit of a, an advantage being in the in in Myrtle Beach in Conway, um, playing on that that really awesome teal field. So uh, I'm excited to watch that series. I definitely agree that that is going to be a, a really fun series to see how that that plays out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, uh, the other series that you kind of mentioned earlier, Florida and, and uh, South Carolina. Um, that one's got to be one that you're excited about. I mean, you're going to the game. You said so. That's got to that's a really, I mean, pretty big implications in that one too, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, it's three versus six, first off. But I think a thing that I'm really interested to see is South Carolina's off the backs of, of losing a series on the road to Vanderbilt, a series that they blame, dominated Vanderbilt in game one and started game two by dominating as well. And I think a lot of people were like, wow, like, are we really that good or is Vanderbilt overrated? And then all of a sudden the wheels came off the bus and Vanderbilt showed why they're the fourth team, fourth place team in the country right now. And they ended up winning those last two games. So what I'm interested to see from a South Carolina fan perspective and from a college athletics fan perspective is, you know, you've heard all year, South Carolina baseball is back. South Carolina baseball is back. Well, we're really going to find out if South Carolina baseball is back this weekend, because not only are they hosting the number three team, but they're coming off the first series loss of the year. So it's two absolutely massive things for the Gamecocks in this one for college baseball as a whole. Like we're going to really kind of see now if South Carolina is a true contender and if they if they're really going to be able to put up a fight for Omaha, because up until this point, like they're obviously they're having a great season. We're not taking away from that. I'm not trying to say that South Carolina is overrated, but I'm saying like they haven't really done anything. So now that we're going to get an opportunity to see this game Cox team at home against a good Florida program, I think it's going to be exciting to watch. And, you know, like you mentioned, I, and and like I mentioned earlier, I will be at that game on Thursday. So I'll be covering that for next gen Gamecock. So all my, my, my college baseball fans out there, my Gamecock fans out there listening, uh, make sure you go, go follow that Twitter page. That is at NXT gen Gamecocks. And I will be keeping you guys updated there. Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, what that's going to look like and what capacity, just because sometimes Wi-Fi and, and connection can be kind of spotty at sporting events. So we'll have to wait and see kind of what that looks like. But I will be doing whatever I can um, on Thursday night to keep you guys updated. And that game is going to be on ESPNU as well. So if you're bored and got nothing going on at 730 on a Thursday night, turn that on. Because I think that that's regardless of who wins, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. For sure, and definitely major implications for both of these teams. Uh, being able to compete with the best of the best is the only way you can win in Omaha. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how South Carolina bounces back and just how good Florida can be. Both these teams have really good teams, really good offenses. It'll be, it should be a really fun series, I would assume. Um, and so definitely one to be on the lookout for as we get closer to, to this weekend. So I want to bring something up to you. Have you seen – the whole Florida debacle from this past weekend. Like, did you see all the crazy stuff that went down from that? Yeah, I saw, I saw a good bit of it. Yes. So we did get a listener question on this and let me pull it up so that I can uh, make sure that I, I get it right. Let me make sure here. Just one second. So Andrew Alexander, good friend of the show. Andrew, always appreciate you giving us some questions. Um, he, he says, couple thoughts. Number one, thoughts on the Florida pitcher being ejected from this past weekend for talking to the Georgia dugout. For those of you who have not seen the video that Andrew is referencing, it's 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 just another one of those trash talk. Is it good? Is it bad for college sports debates? So what happens is the Florida pitcher, don't know his name, uh, strikes this guy out. It's a big strikeout. I think Georgia had a lot of momentum. That, that that series actually was a lot closer than I expected it to be. Um, but 
So Georgia had some momentum. He struck this guy out. It was a big time, you know, and he kind of flexed and he jawed just a little bit. It wasn't anything that I, I thought was ridiculous. Now, mind you, I don't know what he said. So he could have said something pretty crazy. And it's like, wow, like, yeah, you can't say that. But from what it looked like, at least, it wasn't anything ridiculous because nobody on the Georgia bench really reacted to it. Like, it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, like, that's fair. Like, you just struck the guy out. Let's move on. And the umpire throws him out of the game. And it, it was it was crazy. And it was followed up later by Florida hitting a grand slam and uh, all their guys just walked to the dugout. They didn't celebrate. So Thomas, as a baseball fanatic, as a guy that, that has played a lot of baseball, who who's followed baseball pretty much his whole life, give me give us some thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, man, it's a rivalry game. It's a rivalry series. Florida and Georgia don't like each other. And uh, it's a high intensity game. And it's sports like it has emotion to it and so you know you make a big play in, in basketball you're going to celebrate in some aspect you make a big play in football they get pretty crazy with their celebrations i mean they get pretty disrespectful with those and uh i think celebrating after a strikeout in the inning a big strikeout a big play in the game i think it just is part of the game um again i don't know what he said but i, I don't think it could have been that bad I, i've seen much much worse said on video uh by Louisville's pitcher not too long ago. It was – I forget his name now off the top of my head. He's in the, he's in the league now, but um, he had a pretty – you could read his lips pretty well, and he said some things that probably aren't – I can't say personally. And uh, so, I mean, I, I just know that it probably wasn't that bad. He's celebrating a big play. It, to me, feels more like an umpire wanting to get involved in the game. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate that stuff like that happens, but I don't think he should have gotten thrown out of the game. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken – with that ejection comes like a four game suspension or something like that. And so like he, he has to miss a few games now and it shouldn't have been that big of a deal. Um, I think that, like I said, it's a rivalry game, SEC matchup, high intensity matchup. And, and he makes a big play. He should be able to celebrate and do a little bit of a, you know, celebration. Um, so yeah, I personally disagree with the, him getting tossed there. Um, I thought it was just a, a routine celebration and, and a big moment in the game. Yeah, I got to agree. We've said it on here before. I love trash talk. I really do. I think it's when when you take the emotion out of sports is when people stop watching. It's when people stop caring about it because emotion is what makes us human. And when we see emotion in sports, we can relate to that. We can go like, oh, yeah, like that was really cool. Like that guy, he definitely deserved to celebrate that. Like That was a big moment. And so when you start to take that out of the game, I think you're going to kill fan bases and you're going to kill the love for the game. So I, you see it across all athletics right now. And, you know, it's you, you, we've got two extremes in this scenario with, with Angel Reese from a couple weeks ago. And then this case uh, from this past weekend, but I, I think that this is a major talking point right now and not just college athletics, but athletics as a whole, you see a lot of people from top to bottom getting fined, getting suspensions, getting, getting all these kind of just ridiculous things because of things that are done on the floor. Uh, and I just, I don't necessarily agree with all of them. And this is one of them that I just thought it was, it was ridiculous. Like let the kids celebrate. It's college baseball. It's half of the fun of college athletics is the emotion, the pageantry and the tradition that goes into it. And Florida, Georgia has all of that. And then some, so I just, I don't understand why you would want to want to bring that down. I really just don't get it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it was just a little bit too much. I think he overstepped his bounds as the umpire and people are arguing a lot nowadays in baseball in general for robot umpires and the umpires just aren't helping their case. Like the more they do stuff like this, it's like maybe we should have umpires that don't, don't have any bias, don't have any emotion, you know? So I don't know. It's a touchy subject, but I, I personally just, I don't see why you do them out. It didn't make any sense to me personally. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I just don't disagree with that. And I think that it's, you know, I, I didn't know that about the four game suspension. I, I hope that it's, something to where that doesn't really cost Florida in that South Carolina series. Obviously as a South Carolina fan, I hope they lose every game. I hope we sweep them. But as somebody who's a college baseball fan, as somebody who's a college athletics fan, I don't necessarily want to see that be the reason that Florida maybe loses the series, or or maybe that's the reason that this kind of derails Florida's season because they're having a great year. And I, I think that it's, it, it's, it's worth him playing in the series because as a South Carolina fan and as a, as a, as a baseball fan, as, as somebody who likes to watch college athletics, I don't want any kind of excuses, right? Like we, you do it all the time as kids, like 
some team would lose a guy because he got hurt at recess. And, and you know, I, I know at least we did this as kids. Like, we'd go, okay, like, we'll play down a minute because we don't want to win and then hear everybody complain, like, oh, well, you only won because of this, that, and the other. I don't want that as a South Carolina fan. I don't want that as a college athletics fan. So uh, I didn't know that. I hope he gets to play, whether it's game, you know, three or not. I hope he still gets to play, and I hope he still has has an opportunity to to make an impact on the series. For sure. So just to mention some other kind of big deal uh, series from around the weekend, uh, number four, Vanderbilt is going to be on the road at Tennessee. Obviously, that is always um, a, a big-time series. Normally, Tennessee is ranked. Right now, they are unranked, but you know it's still a, it's a big-time series, right? It's a rivalry series. Those are two really, really competitive baseball programs. Uh, ranked matchup between number 20, Boston College, on the road at number 18, North Carolina. Um, an exciting series that that's going to be. Um, another SEC series, uh, five Arkansas at Georgia. Like we just mentioned, Georgia off the backs of uh, a way more competitive Florida series than I think a lot of people um, originally intended it for it to be. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bulldogs can kind of carry some momentum at home against the number five ranked uh, um, Arkansas team. Another series that I think everybody should keep an eye on is LSU at Ole Miss. Ole Miss having a bad year as the defending champions, but they still are defending champions. So that, and I, I'm not completely sold on LSU. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see exactly how that game kind of kind of plays out. And then finally, a last ranked series of the weekend, the last series that I think has has a lot of potential to be really good is the number 21 Oregon State at number 19 Arizona State series. Um, that'll be another really exciting series that I think is going to be uh, potentially really interesting and really exciting to watch. That will do it for the baseball side of things. Let's move to softball. Thomas, another exciting weekend in the softball ranks. And I think the biggest thing, at least for me, that stood out was South Carolina. How about that South Carolina softball team? I, I sat here on the preview show for Next Gen Gamecocks and said, guys, don't expect a lot from this team. And they shut me up. They're 30 and 12, uh, ranked in the top 25. So shout out to to them because they've definitely done a lot better than I think a lot of people expected them to uh, through this point in the season. Yeah, I actually don't know much about South Carolina softball, being honest with you, but I, I do think that, you know, uh, I guess it makes Clemson's resume look a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> I do want to point out, um, I don't know if we've mentioned it in the podcast, the last Clemson South Carolina uh, softball game um, was an instant classic. Uh, the, the 4-3 victory Clemson had, um, I don't know if we talked about it much, but it, it's it's worth noting on the national show because it was probably one of the best games of the year. College softball, uh, Clemson was down um, three to one with uh, two outs, two strikes, and a runner on first and second. And Clemson legend uh, Valerie Cagle hit a home run that gave the Tigers the lead uh, down to their last strike in a rivalry game. I think that kind of uh, energy that was brought to that game um, was noteworthy for the nation as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just want to throw that real quick. That was a really, really good, intense game of softball. Absolutely. We did talk about it a little bit, but we didn't really give it too much too much energy. But, yeah, I mean, that was a great game. That was a great softball game. And the other thing um, from this past weekend that stood out, stood out to us is Oklahoma State lost a series to Iowa State. So that was their first uh, – First series loss of the year, so that we'll have to wait and see how the how the Cowgirls respond to that. They've got a, a big series again on the road this week, um, on the road at number nine Texas. So Texas, another team that's kind of known for having a pretty good softball program. So the the Cowgirls definitely have their work cut out for them again. Yeah, especially bouncing back from from the loss to Iowa State, uh, it definitely will be a big series for them, and and really will have implications. Um, for, for Oklahoma City and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, both these teams, I would assume, are going to host their own regionals. But I think it just comes down to the fact that, you know, if you lose to a team, uh, you know, say say one of the teams sweeps the other, like Oklahoma State sweeps Texas. If they see each other later in the year, one team has a little more confidence going, to that, going into that game or that series than um, if it's a close one or if, if the other team wins. So uh, it's a really big-time matchup between two powerhouse programs. Yeah, and I think that kind of like that South Carolina series that we had talked about, for, for the baseball side of things, this is going to be the first like real true test of adversity for this Oklahoma State team. You know, they've they've played good teams up until this point. Obviously, they're a good program, but, you know, I think that this is going to be their first real true test of adversity. This is going to be their first gut check moment for this season. And 
you know, this is going to kind of put us on the track to see, you know, if they're a pretender or if they're a contender, because, you know, we're, we're, as we get closer to May, that means we're getting closer to Oklahoma city. And that means that, you know, we're going to start to really find out if teams are going to be actually as good as their ranking show, or if they just had an early start to the year. Yeah, for sure. And especially when it comes to this Oklahoma state team, uh, there's only two weeks left to the season, meaning there's only two or, or the regular season. There's only two series left for these teams. Um, and so this weekend, having to go up against uh, Texas, who's number seven in the country currently, and then having to turn around and then next weekend um, play Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken there. Sorry, no, that's not next weekend. They have an extra series than, uh, than the ACC. The ACC wraps up next weekend. But um, anyway, uh, they're all rubbing down here towards the end. But um, they have a tough schedule down the stretch as well. I was getting at there. Um, Oklahoma – State has to play Oklahoma and Texas over the next few weeks. And so uh, definitely a lot of implications in those games. Yeah. I mean, we're going to find out a lot about this Cowgirls team. We're going to find out a lot about about the Big 12 as a whole between Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas just to see which of those three is going to be the cream of the crop. I think they're almost always fighting for a national championship amongst the three of them. Um, And, you know, we've had years where it's Oklahoma versus Texas, Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma in the the College Women's World Series. So I'm excited to see exactly how the Cowgirls not just respond to adversity, but how they play against a really good and normally dominant Texas team. For sure. Yeah. So let's move away from that series. We're going to make our our way down to the next series. We're going to get to a little bit of a rivalry series. Number 25, South Carolina is going to be on the road at 7 Georgia this weekend. Georgia coming off the back of a big series win. Obviously, I already mentioned South Carolina swept Texas A&M this past weekend to get ranked for the first time in a few years. This is going to be a fun series because, you know, the SEC right now is kind of up for grabs. Everybody's kind of chasing Tennessee right now. So this is we're going to learn a lot about the SEC East in this game, and we're going to learn a lot about both of these programs and and how they can handle the big moment and the big game. For sure, it'll have a big implication on the seeding for the SEC tournament, um, and definitely will play a big part in, in figuring out which of those teams can kind of solidify themselves as one of the premier teams in that conference. Um, like you like you mentioned, Tennessee is kind of running away with it at the moment, but that's not to say that you know anything can happen in baseball, softball. A team gets hot at the right time, and this could be that that weekend where uh South Carolina or Georgia could could get hot at the right moment and then could ride that wave for the rest of the season. Yeah, and speaking of Tennessee, they have to play at home against number 18 Florida, not a pushover a Florida team that's normally got a really really good softball program. So listen, I mean the SEC as a whole, if you look at kind of their their weekend coming up, you've got South Carolina at Georgia, you've got Auburn at Alabama, that's a top 20 matchup. Florida at Tennessee, that's a top 20 matchup. Uh, you got Arkansas at Kentucky. That's a top 25 matchup. So that the SEC as a whole has decided that they're going to just throw everything at the Wolves this weekend and, and try and prove to the entire country that they are indeed a softball conference with, with Oklahoma and Texas not too far away from joining the conference as well. So it's going to be an exciting weekend in the SEC. I think you can see a lot of comers and goers this weekend. Like I mentioned, this is about the time of the year where we start to find out who's a real contender and who's a pretender because we're coming down to the end of the regular season. You learn a lot about yourself as a team come to the end of the regular season because this is when, you know, injuries start to happen because you're just tired. It's been a long series. It's been a long season. And so we're going to learn a lot about these teams. I'm really excited to see how it all shakes out when we come Monday. Another series that I want to mention before we jump off the air is Pitt at Clemson. Thomas, your Clemson team just continues to play really well. They're dominating the ACC right now with maybe the exception of Florida State. But what can we expect from from a Clemson team that right now is chasing a Florida State team after being swept not too long ago at home by Florida State? Yeah, this is something that we kind of dove into a little bit yesterday on the Next Gen Tigers podcast. But Clemson's at a point right now where it's a little bit of a lull on the season. Uh, they had the one loss before going into the Florida State series to Tennessee 1-0. Florida State kind of dominated us in all in all reality. Florida State's a really good team, and they just took they swept Clemson pretty pretty easily. Um, then Clemson also just dropped one game. They won the series, but they dropped one game to an NC State team that's not too too good. So um, this is a series where if Clemson wants to be a true contender this season, they need to take advantage of a weak pit team. Pit is only 2019, just sitting above 500. I fully expect Clemson to. Um, be at home, like I, like you mentioned, and, and just take advantage of that and, and ride a wave that, um, like I said, they're kind of in a lull right now. They got to get hot 
to, to, to be able to compete. And so um, I think well, I think you can expect a very motivated Clemson team to come out this weekend and uh, kind of I, I hope and I'm pretty confident that they have the ability to walk all over a pit team this this uh, this weekend. Absolutely. So just going to mention a couple more games that I think are going to be some some exciting series. Uh, Mississippi State is at number 14 LSU this weekend. Uh, Georgia Tech is at number eight Duke. Uh, 21 Texas A&M is going to be on the road at Ole Miss. Texas A&M is going to be looking to respond to an embarrassing weekend in Columbia last weekend. Um, number one Oklahoma is on the road at number 15 Baylor. That'll be um, interesting to see exactly how the Sooners can can continue to dominate against a really good opponent in Baylor. Um, number 17, Utah is on the road at number 12, Washington, a little bit of West coast love there. And then finally, I think the last series that we'll mention today is Arizona down in LA taking on number two, UCLA. So Thomas, we've mentioned it, that we've got a couple listener questions. So let's kind of answer those now. We've, we've got two. And, and so I'm excited to kind of dive into this. We already mentioned one of Andrew Alexander's. He actually brought a second and we're we're shifting in a little bit of a different direction than what we've done typically, and this kind of will will lead us nicely into next show. But we're gonna we're gonna shift to the NFL draft, and we're gonna talk a little bit about some draft prospects because we've got two great questions from from Andrew Alexander and, and William Alexander. Yes, they are related, um, and and who will who will fit better in better systems? So the first question will will from Andrew is. Who fits the Panthers better, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? Obviously, the Panthers traded up to get that number one overall pick, and they need a quarterback. So, who's it going to be, C.J. or Bryce? Yeah, it's kind of tough to say. Uh, I think both quarterbacks you have to kind of build your system around their play style. And so, I think the question really comes: who who do we think can be more successful in the NFL? And when I think about that, I, I look at their success in college um, and how they handled adversity, how they played in big games, all that kind of stuff, and I think where I lean currently, and you might disagree with this, is that I think C.J. Stroud has the the makings to be a better NFL quarterback, while I think that Bryce Young was a better college quarterback. Um, some of the things that worry about me that I worry about with Bryce uh, is just his size. Um, I know it doesn't always matter. We've seen uh, a guy like Kyler have success, um, but I, I personally think that to be a, a quarterback that's relying on your legs, which both these guys kind of are able to move a little bit. Um, you have to be able to take hits. And I just don't know if Bryce has that ability. Um, and I could be wrong about that. But when I think about these two guys and uh, their talent levels, they're both really good quarterbacks. But if I had to lean towards one, I lean towards C.J. Stroud because of uh, the intangibles, the size, um, and then also just how uh, willing he was to, to own up to his mistakes, stuff like that. Like he, he was just a very uh, – humble guy. Remember he had, when he had losses to Michigan, he took it on himself. And and I think that's a, a making of a, of a good quarterback, a mature kid. Um, not that Bryce isn't Bryce is an excellent guy too, but I, I think I lean towards CJ Stroud whenever I think about these two quarterbacks specifically. Fair enough. Fair enough. I do disagree, but I, I like what you said there. I think you made some good points. I think CJ Stroud has the build to be a great NFL quarterback. Whoever, whoever takes CJ Stroud is going to get a good quarterback. However, I like proven winners. And that's something that I like a lot about about Bryce Young is that he's been in the big moment and he almost always performs really well. The one thing, like you mentioned with with Bryce, that that does just kind of give me a little bit of hesitancy is his size and the injuries. Um, you know, obviously last year he had to miss a couple games because of of a shoulder injury, but when he came back, he looked just as good as ever. And I think he's somebody that is going to have a long illustrious career in the NFL. If I were the Panthers. I want a guy that's a winner. I want a guy that's a leader. Obviously, Nick Saban has just pumped out good quarterbacks. You look at a guy like Jalen Hurts right now, who I know he's kind of from Oklahoma, and I've given Alabama a lot of crap about claiming Jalen Hurts, but he is a guy that went through that Alabama system and, and, and learned a lot about Alabama and how to play f- football from Nick Saban. You look at a guy like Mac Jones is another guy who's having success in the NFL with the Patriots, kind of came up through that system, came up through that Nick Saban uh, philosophy of, of playing football. And I think that that rubs off a lot on CJ Stroud. Obviously uh, Tua Tangovaloa is a number one, uh, another one that a lot of people think of when they think of good Alabama quarterbacks. So if it were me, if it were me and I were the Panthers with that number one pick, I would lean toward Bryce, uh, Bryce Young, just because of, uh, of the winner mentality, the fact that he played under Nick Saban. And, and I just think he he's all in all 
the better pick. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think there's a huge discrepancy here between these two guys. They're both really good quarterbacks, at least at the college level. We can't predict their future, but I, I don't think you can go wrong with either pick here. I, I will say, historically, Ohio State and Alabama have kind of not put out great quarterbacks. Um, that's kind of more of a recent trend. Even Ohio State recently, uh, Justin Fields is probably the best one that has come out in, in recent years. And I, I did kind of forget about Mac Jones, but Tua has been really good. I don't give them Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts got I, – I give I give Lincoln Riley Jalen Hurts. Um, not even Oklahoma, just Lincoln Riley by himself. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just – I think both are really good. Um, I, I, I like what you're saying with the proven winner. Um, but, yeah, I, I still think – a lot of winning comes down to coaching, comes down to um, players around you, the pieces around you. And I will say Ohio State has a really elite offense, but I think Alabama is Alabama. They they have more weapons to use uh, offensively, defensively. They have better coaching staff than Ohio State. So I, I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud probably would have had similar careers had they switched spots. That's obviously a hypothetical, but I, I really do. I personally like C.J. Stroud a little bit better uh, NFL-wise. Um but, yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I think it's just a preference thing, who you want to use and who you think fits uh, the system that you want to build more. Absolutely. I, I, like you mentioned, there's no wrong answer here. They're two really, really good quarterbacks. So, and, uh, I, Andrew, I hope we answered your question well. And I'd love to hear some thoughts from you guys out there as well. You know, who agrees with Thomas? Who agrees with Trotter? Who's going to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft? Will it be C.J. Stroud? Will it be Bryce Young? Or – could it be somebody else? I've seen a lot of a lot of people saying maybe it's going to be a guy like Will Levis or, or Anthony Richardson, which I pray to God, please, dear God, don't take any of those two. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I'm not huge on either of those guys. But that kind of leads me into my next question from William. Who has the better chance to be a bust, Anthony Richardson or Hendon Hooker? Yeah, this one's tough because bust to me – is more about what your expectations are coming out of college. Uh, whenever you get drafted, what do people expect from you? And if you, can you live up to them? So like, for example, if a guy gets drafted in the seventh round and doesn't pan out, he's not a bust. But if a guy gets drafted first overall and they're like, oh, he's going to be great. Like he's going to be the next Tom Brady or whatever it might be. And then he doesn't pan out, but has a better career than that seventh round guy. He's, he's considered a bust. So it really depends on where they get drafted. But assuming, um, assuming both of them had similar – draft uh, analysis and all that kind of stuff. And everybody's talking about them in similar ways. Uh, I think most people right now are saying that Richardson has a better chance of going earlier than Hooker. But um, I guess I'll, I'll answer it, in which, I, which one I think has the chance to have more success. I'm going to give them the same uh, rating now and say that both of them are similar caliber quarterbacks. Um, I'm not an NFL scout. I can't tell you what, what they actually <laughs> believe. But in my eyes, they, they both had uh, – I mean, Hooker was better this, this most recent season – but Richardson's younger and has less weapons and all that kind of stuff. They kind of balance each other out. I personally, I personally look at Richardson as a guy that has a higher ceiling and a lower floor. Um, there's a lot of variability there. I think when you draft Hendon Hooker, you know what you're going to get to a certain extent. Um, I, I think there's a, a floor that's been placed because because of his age and how well he's played this this past year um, and how he was able to lead, how he's gotten better over the past few years uh, in, in his college career. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get. I feel like with Hooker, uh, with Richardson, you're taking a gamble, it feels like. Um, I feel like he has the makings with the athleticism that he has and the, um, the arm strength and the talent that he has there to, to make a, a big impact at the NFL level. Um, but I worry that, you know, maybe his IQ is not completely there, where Hooker, I think, has a, a better IQ when it comes to the football sense. Um, we've seen uh, Richardson not have the same accuracy that Hooker has. Um, and so – and also, just as a leader, we've seen Hooker be a better leader than I think Anthony Richardson was. So I think you kind of have a, a, a better floor. It's a safer pick. Um, but also, you know, it's not always about making the safe pick whenever you're drafting a team. you got to draft the guys that you think can make a huge impact. And I think Anthony Richardson has a huge ceiling. Um, he could be a very, very good NFL quarterback. Um, but also, he has the potential to be more of a bust. So I guess to answer Williams' question about who's more likely to be a bust, I would say Anthony Richardson has a bigger chance of being a bust. Um, but also a better chance of being a future star. Yeah, I mean, that was a great answer. I I shouldn't even go, but Mm. I I will because I'm going to say this. I'm going to get some hate for this, but I'm going to say this. Anthony Richardson to me, to me, 
feels a lot like a guy like Logan Thomas. And for those of you who don't know who Logan Thomas is, Logan Thomas was a Virginia Tech quarterback long time ago, had a massive arm, could throw the ball 100,000 miles, was really athletic, played really, really well. But he was he was a quarterback, and, and he was a big guy like Anthony Richardson is. A lot of people nowadays know Logan Thomas as a tight end. I think Anthony Richardson could be a similar story. I'm not saying he's a tight end. I'm saying he's a guy that if you look at his athletic build and what he does well, I can name you 100 guys like that, right? Hendon Hooker, a guy that's like that, but better. The thing with Hooker is he's coming off the injury and you've got the age. So, you know, you're hesitant to take Hooker. If you take Richardson, like you mentioned, you've got a guy that could be a really good quarterback. I think you've got a guy that could be a really good wide receiver tight end guy as well. You look at a guy like Logan Thomas. Had no career as an NFL quarterback. Was second and third string for a lot of different teams. All of a sudden, the commanders get him, and they're like, hey, we're going to make you a tight end. And now he's one of the best tight ends in the league. right? He's 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 catching touchdown passes. He's a day in, day out, probably a top 10 tight end in the league. So, like I said, I might get some hate for that because I just called Anthony Richardson a tight end. I compared him to Logan Thomas. But I just think that if you're going based off of sheer skill, if you're going based off of things that I would look for in a quarterback. I think Hendon Hooker is the safer pick. I think Anthony Richardson has the better chance to be a bust according to that graphic. However, I think Anthony Richardson is a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he's just one of those guys that is just a freak of nature and he needs to be on a football field. So, you know, if I was a team that, that, you know, maybe didn't necessarily have some quarterback worries and and wanted to still take a chance on him just because of how good of an athlete he is, I think maybe switching from the quarterback position could be an option just because of his speed, his size, and his ability to make plays with the football. So I know I kind of went in a different direction there. I know that I kind of took a question and morphed it into a different question. But to to answer your question, I I do agree that, that Anthony Richardson, to me, has the better chance at being a bust. I think Hendon Hooker... The injury almost helps him because it forces him to sit out for a year behind a quarterback and learn an NFL system. Uh, I think we've already seen Hooker go from Virginia Tech to Tennessee and and make a jump, become a better quarterback. The the turnovers at Virginia Tech were his problem. He turned the ball over way too much. He went to Tennessee this past year and and turned the ball over hardly ever. I think he only had three interceptions, two interceptions on the year um, before he unfortunately got hurt in the South Carolina game. So, like I said, if it were me, I would take for a quarterback, Hendon Hooker. If I just wanted a sheer athlete, a guy who can go make a couple plays, I would take Anthony Richardson and, and give him a shot at the quarterback position, right? Give him a chance. He he was a good quarterback in, in college. But if I need a guy that just can go make a couple plays and, and put him on a football field somewhere, I think he's got a chance to be a different position from the NFL or, or from the QB position in the NFL just because of his size. Yeah, that's an opinion I didn't see coming, uh, but I, I don't hate it. Um, I I strayed away from saying that. I was a big Lamar Jackson needs to be a running back guy in that draft. Um, yeah, me too. I was, I was very certain that he could not be an NFL quarterback. Based off what he did in college, I was like, this isn't this doesn't work in the NFL. You can't do this in the NFL. The, the guys are better. You, you can't just run around and be the better athlete, and it, it won't work. I was wrong. Well, well, hang on. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up an idea here, and a lot of people are gonna hate this. Are you wrong? Yes. Are you though? Because I know he had the MVP year. I'm not taking that away from him. He's a phenomenal guy, but he's he like nobody wants him, right? He's sitting here begging somebody to come get him, and nobody wants him. So I don't know. Hot take. Maybe you're not as wrong as some people think. I just I just got to put it out there. Here's here's why I think that I am wrong is I think that's more about the money side of things. We're getting a little bit off topic here from the guys that we're talking <laughs> about, but it, that that's more of a money side of things than it is they don't want him. They, nobody wants saying, to pay him for a quarterback in general. I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. No, no. I mean that's a good point. I mean maybe in, in ten years I'll look back and go I was right. Um, but at the, this current moment I'm pretty sure I was wrong about that. He's been a good quarterback. Um, but yeah, I definitely. I mean, Anthony Richardson does have that potential. He's a freak athlete. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a conversation that we could have for a very long time. Honestly, I'm not going to get too much into that, but that's an interesting take <laughs> that I haven't really heard at all. I don't think. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like I said, I, I might get some hate for that. There might be a lot of people who just tell me to shut up and and, and focus on college athletics. But I mean, listen, I, I think I'm not sitting here. I want to clarify this. I'm not sitting here saying he should be a tight end. I am not saying that. I'm saying that there's a, a chance for him to have a career at a position like a tight end just because of his size and his ability and his athleticism. So listen, I think he should get a shot at being a quarterback in the NFL, right? I mentioned Logan Thomas got a chance to be a quarterback in the NFL and it didn't work out. Give Anthony Richardson that chance, right? I think he deserves that chance. He's a good quarterback. You don't just get to be the quarterback for for Florida and, and not be really good. You don't get to sit on mock draft boards as, as a top five, top three quarterback for a lot of people without being a really good quarterback. I'm just putting it out there. There is a chance for him to maybe look at a different position just because of the size, skill, and athleticism and just the ability to make plays with the football. So, Thomas, as always, it's awesome to have you on the show. I know the listeners just love you. They really, really do. So, you know, with that being said, you've already kind of mentioned that Next Gen Tigers is coming out with another episode in case people weren't listening. Just kind of give them a quick update on, on how Next Gen Tigers is going. Yeah, actually, there was an episode released last night kind of giving an update on the spring sports in general, uh, what's been happening over the past few weeks. I mean, Mike got pretty busy with school, as is that's what happens whenever you're a student full-time. And um, so we got pretty busy, and we were weren't able to cover uh, everything on the podcast. But we were able to be pretty consistent on the Twitter um, so our next our Twitter account at Next Gen Tigers is very active on keeping everybody up to date with all sports that are going on. Um, but like I mentioned yesterday, we released an episode covering everything there is to know about spring sports. Um, and then on Thursday, another episode will be released covering uh, the spring game. Um, both of us got a chance to watch that game. Um, and like me and Trotter mentioned, there's uh, definitely take the spring game with a grain of salt, but there are definitely are some things that need to be talked about that we wanted to have a, an episode for uh, by itself, not just thrown in with the rest of the spring sports. We want to have two separate things there uh, kind of to save time for you guys. You know, you can watch the, or listen to the first one and then uh, have time to listen to the second one later in the week. Um, and also just because it, it's worth it to have its own episode. I think uh, the moneymaker for all college sports is, is um, football. And so we want to give it its due, its due time. Um, and, and also give all the other sports their their own episode. So, on Thursday, be looking for another episode to come out on Next Gen Tigers for uh, the spring game. And then, I mean, other than that, the Twitter will keep you up to date on basically everything you need to know. So at Next Gen Tigers, uh, if you're a Clemson fan or just a fan of college sports and want to know more about Clemson, give it a listen. Absolutely. Well done. Well said. Um, as far as I'll start with Gamecocks, like I mentioned, we got an episode out on Tuesday morning. I know this show is is being recorded on Tuesday. We'll come out Tuesday evening. Um, so it, it it has come out. It is out. We talk about the spring game in a good bit. We talk about the baseball and softball programs a good bit. Um, it's about a 45 minute long episode. So um, all my South Carolina fans out there, I definitely encourage you guys to go give that a listen. Just as another perspective on, on how the athletics are doing here at South Carolina, we break it down a lot. We're pretty active on social media as well. Like I mentioned earlier, I will be at the game against Florida on Thursday evening. So if you want to keep up with that and you're at work, you can't really watch the game, uh, go follow us on Twitter. It is at NXT Gen Gamecocks. That is once again on Twitter at NXT Gen Gamecocks. Next Gen Gamecocks was just one character too long. I feel like they should make a make an exception just because it's one, it's literally just a little E. Like you can't write the E. No? Okay. Well, that's out. That that we're excited about that. Um, we're going to be really active on social media um, going forward, keeping you guys up to date on on all the off season craziness with the football program. We'll we'll keep you updated on the Jordan Birch saga as that's got new life. Um, and, and so we'll be. It's going to be exciting to cover that for you guys. And on the Virginia Tech side of things as well, Hokie fans, don't think I forgot about you. It's okay. That episode will be coming out probably either Thursday morning or tomorrow night, depending on when I get to record tomorrow. Um, so be on the lookout for that. We are also active on social media. That is at Next Gen Gobblers on Twitter. That one fit just perfectly. Next Gen Gobblers on Twitter. We are very active on there. Just keeping you guys once again up to date on on all the happenings around Hokie Athletics and, and giving you guys updates. And, and so it's going to be exciting. Once again, as football offseason kind of continues on, Virginia Tech, for a lot of people who don't know, 
uh, is over the roster limit right now. So we're going to be keeping a close eye on that as, as football season grows nearer and nearer in, in the, in the, in the windshield. So lots of exciting things going on for us here at next gen athletics and some really exciting things coming down the road. I, I am, I am pleased to announce that. Um, Thomas, big thing coming up next week. Make sure everybody knows this. Uh, our good old buddy Grayson Mon is coming on the show. Grayson Mann, uh, a guy that has been on the show before. He came on during the Clemson-South Carolina rivalry week. Um, he's going to come back on next week and, and talk a little bit NFL draft with us. So I was glad we kind of got some of those NFL draft questions. So if you're out there listening and you've got some questions now that we've piqued your interest with the NFL draft, he's going to be on the show next week. He's a guy that follows the NFL really closely with his man with a plan podcast. So uh, give him a follow, give him a listen. Um, that'll kind of get you ready for next week as, as we dive into the NFL draft and, and interview uh, Grayson for for a good bit of time and so get your questions in quick because if you've got a lot we might only be able to pick a couple so uh, if you if you make sure you get your question in quick um, I can guarantee it will get asked for sure I'm, I'm really excited about that Grayson's a good friend of mine that uh, we used to work together a little bit so it'll be cool to you know let him be on the podcast whenever I'm on it too you know that hasn't happened yet so it'll be, it'll be really it'll be a good episode definitely be looking out for that coming up here next week yeah, we are really excited about that as well. Lots of exciting things going on around the network. We're all back. We're, we're putting content out like nobody's business. And as always, we're looking to expand. So if you guys have a school out there that you want to cover, that you think you, you can bring something to the table with a podcast and maybe bring something for us on the national side of things as well, reach out. Let us know. I don't care who. I'm open to any idea that you guys have got. We're just looking to bring in another school um, in time for football season. So if you're a big football program school somewhere, come on, let me know. Let's get it started. Let's get it going. Let's take this thing to the freaking moon. XN Athletics to the moon. As always, we say it all the time. We mean it. There might be a little bit of merchandise coming out. So keep your eye open for that. We are excited about that. I'm not saying it is. Just maybe. Just maybe. It's just an idea. Just a fun little idea. But um, guys, as always, appreciate you guys tuning in, listening. Follow us on Twitter at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H. Once again, on Twitter at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H. We keep up with all the all the happenings around college athletics. And if you guys can't find some of the individual school podcasts, we are always retweeting, liking all that fun stuff from them as well. So that's a good way to find those podcasts and those networks as well. We're also on Instagram at next underscore gen underscore athletics that's pretty easy uh instagram doesn't have any kind of character restrictions so maybe twitter should take note and and follow along because gosh it gets annoying quick but guys appreciate it thomas as always have a good weekend enjoy the sunshine in clemson it might not be as nice as columbia but it's okay you you, <laughs> you can you can come down to columbia anytime you want just let me know just let I'm me all know. good thanks though thanks. oh I'm okay good. i just I'm let me know no i, I won't be <laughs> okay Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. That's all right. That's all right. You'll come around. You'll come around. I did. What? Anyways. Oh, <laughs> what? Anyways, um, Thomas, as always, have a good weekend. Love you guys. Uh, make sure you follow us. Make sure you follow Thomas. Make sure you follow me. And as always, we'll talk to you guys next week.